coming with us. This is really fun for me because what I'm getting to do is my first love, in a sense, of, of biblical studies. I can remember as a young man loving the scriptures, wanting to know more about the scriptures, and I had determined that when I went to college, I was not going to leave college until I was able to translate the Bible from the original. That was a goal of mine. It's something I worked really hard on in college, and it, it has fostered in me my favorite way to teach is to simply sit down with a, the Greek text for the New Testament or the Hebrew text for the Old Testament and work through it and try to make sense of it. And so for the class today, as we continue this very uh, uh, deep dive, in a sense, into John, that's what I've tried to do. Now, don't rush for the exit. You've gotten in here. You've gotten comfortable. So just sit back and recognize that you'll make it through this class, even though perhaps it's a little bit more linguistically uh, focused than it might be otherwise. This is not uh, uh, simply uh, uh, just what you would get in any other class. You're, I hope to deliver you something that would be equivalent to if you were taking John in a seminary, to what you would be learning as you dug into John from there. So with that, the theme behind today's passage for me is a picture It's an image. It's the idea that history is God's tapestry. A tapestry is woven of many threads and it produces a pattern or it produces a picture. It produces a scene. It produces something that's a coherent whole, even though it's been put together thread by thread. And if we consider history, history is that. When history is over and history is done with, we will see the tapestry. We will see the tapestry of, by the way, that's because someone did text me and say, I can't make it, my kid's sick, I'll be watching on the internet, give me the nose rub so that I know that you recognize I'm there. Y'all just thought I was putting my hand to my face like there's a fly up here or something. We, we, that, that moment is history now. We live history. Everything that's happened before this second is history. And actually, that second's now history. And the bizarre part of all of this is that you and I, who are part of the historical tapestry God's weaving, you and I get to pick which color thread we want to be. We get to pick what we want to do. We get to choose how to live. We get to decide on the menu what we're going to eat for lunch today. These are our choices And yet, somehow, in the midst of God's greatness, even though we get to pick the color thread we want to be, God's tapestry still gets made. Now, I think that is a lesson that's very apparent from a close read of the passage today in John. The passage that we're going to read is a passage that has interplay of human choice, and God's tapestry as we see it in the life of John the Baptist. Today's class will focus on those initial verses in John after what Pastor David taught last week. Thank you, by the way, Pastor David. After what Pastor David taught last week, the focus is is in the Gospel of John on John the Baptist, by the way. Do y'all know what John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? It's the same middle name. That's a, that's a freebie, okay? It's just, Dale, they don't tell that in Colorado, do they? All right. Same middle name. So let's get into this. The interplay in the life of John the Baptist. 
where we see this ability to choose and yet find direction from God. Now, as we look at these passages, I want to give you some fair warning. I've got some Greek in this lesson. A number of you, I've counted at least 15 of you that have some decent training in Greek. And I'm not counting those of you who believe you have decent training in Greek because you were in a fraternity or a sorority and you learned the alphabet. I'm going beyond that. I know at least 15 or 20 of you have got some good training in Greek, but it doesn't matter. Everyone in here should be saying, as I tell you, we're going to get into this in the Greek. Everyone in here should be saying, this is something I can do. So I'm not going to give you something that you can't do. Wipe your doubts away and focus on this. We can do this together. And I want to tell you, I firmly believe if you will embrace this opportunity, you will learn something from the gospel of John that you didn't know when you walked in here. Okay? That's part of the goal here. So we got to get into the flow of today's passages. And the best way to get into the flow, sorry, we're working on fixing this remote where I don't have to reach my arm out. The, the, right now we run the PowerPoint. Y'all wonder why I'm doing this. Like I've got some pseudo Tourette's gesture or something. Um, this remote control will reach that if I hold it here. If I hold it here, I'm just out of range. So, sorry. Let's go back into this. We were getting in the, yeah, hot spot, in the flow of John. It began, this is the beginning, this is what Pastor David taught on last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pastor David last week. But you need that in this flow. Now let's move it up the screen, and let's see what we've got today. That passage, by the way, is a passage that spoke about Jesus. 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 There's a song, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay, y'all with me? You're in the flow. I want you to really concentrate on a couple of phrases because they're going to be important. In the beginning was the word. And then this phrase, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now the passage continues below. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John, was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. You with me? Okay. So the first passage is dealing with Jesus, and here we've got to focus on John B., John the Baptist. And I say that because otherwise, if I'm telling you what John says, you're going to wonder if it's John the Baptist or John the Gospel writer. So John, John is John the Gospel writer. John B., J.B. is the Baptist. Now, there are people who will teach that John is playing hopscotch when he writes that first he's on Jesus, then he's on John the Baptist, then he's on Jesus, and then he's on both of them. Okay. This is not John playing hopscotch. There's no big interrupting shift between Jesus and John the Baptist in this passage. If you think there's an interrupting shift, get out an eraser and get rid of it because there's not. John's talking about Jesus. Even this passage that seems to be about John the Baptist is about Jesus. And it's a lot more apparent if you're reading it in the Greek. 
So let's look at this together. You see, in the first passage, in the beginning was the Word. And yet, when we read the passage on John the Baptist, it starts out with, there was a man sent from God. Now, when you and I read this in English, we see it and we see, ah, was, was. Gee, is this the same? Looks like the same verb. There was. In the beginning, was. No. Those are not the same verbs in the Greek. The Greek has a different word. Don't think that there was a man sent from God is the same as in the beginning was the word. They are different Greek words and we need to understand that and we need to look at this Greek a little more carefully. So here it is. The Greek word that's translated there was is one Greek word. It is agenato. Actually, the, the Greek word itself is genomai, but this is the, the, the form that's used. It reads agenato. I'll put it into English letters because I want you to get it. Agenato. Got a young Baylor student over there who's applied to medical schools. This is on the MCAT that he just took, I'm sure. Agenato. What is it about that word? that you find here in English on the MCAT. Gene. G-E-N-E. Gene. Genetics. Genesis. All of these English words are descendants of that Greek word agenito. Agenito means something was born, something came into being, something was created, something was made. All of those ideas are built into agenito. Generator generates energy, creates energy. All of that comes from that Greek Agenito, genes. Where it says in the gospel, there was a man sent from God, agenito, it's saying that there was created, there was born, came into being, there was made a man. And he was made from God, came into being from God. God made the man. Now that's a very, very important part of this. Because what came into being is a man, anthropos in the Greek, a human being sent from God. Now here's how I want us to look at this. Agenito came into being, born, created, made. John the Baptist was agenitoed. He was made. You got it? That's different if we bring back in the initial Jesus part. Agenito being born, created, is different than this verb that's found up here in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word is a Greek word, ain, long e, the ada, nu, ada, nu, ain. It's just the linking verb, to be. That's why Pastor David explained that in the beginning was the Word means the Word already existed. 
in the beginning, the Word's already there. It was there. In the beginning, you already have the Word. Jewish tradition teaches that in the Hebrew, let's see if the new Elmo works. Can we? Ah, that's looking like it might. The Hebrew begins, bar a sheet. And that's in the beginning, but we would write it as B. That's the first letter is, remember they write backwards, or we do. The, whoa, that got dark. The first letter is B. And Jewish rabbis, some old Jewish rabbis used to ask, why does God start creation with the second letter of the alphabet instead of the first letter, which is Aleph? Why not an A before the B? And the rabbis, some rabbis teach that that's because before the beginning, God already was. A is the first letter in Elohim, God. So God predates the beginning. God's already there. That idea is present in John's thought. When John says, if we go back to the PowerPoint, in the beginning, the word's already there. We should never let the English confuse us. Because what John is doing is John's wanting his readers to understand Jesus is something profound. He's on God level. He's God. And he's totally different than anyone that was ever made. Anyone that was ever created. God already was. And so we've got Ain in the beginning was the word already. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, agenito, which means came to be, was created, was made, is actually in this passage I've put up here about Jesus. But it's not in that first clause. Do you know where it is? It's up there three times. Agenito is right here. All things were agenitoed through Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything agenitoed. That was agenitoed. So... All things were made again through Jesus, were created, were born, came to be. And without Jesus was not anything born, created, came to be. That was born, created, came to be. And if we understand and we're reading this in the Greek, now we see that this isn't a sudden shift to John the Baptist. This is still talking about Jesus as he speaks of John the Baptist. So in the beginning, already was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was in the beginning with God. And all things were agenitoed through the Word. Without the Word was nothing agenitoed that was agenitoed. In Jesus, the Word was life. This was the light of men. It shines into the darkness. The darkness hasn't overcome it. Now there among all of these agenitoed that happened through Jesus, who is God, is a special agenitoed that he's going to go into detail about. It says everybody that was ever agenitoed was agenitoed through Jesus, God. Now let me tell you about one agenitoed. There was an agenito. There was one who was born, one who was created, one who was made, Sent from God, whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness. Now this is an important thing. We live in a day of syncretism. All right, let's see if we can, I'm going to put this light on. We're going to try and make this a little brighter. That's just not bright. We can do better. Come on, this is... New toy. Hold on, gang. Give us a moment. We can make this new toy better. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling it. Are y'all feeling it? And the light was the light of men, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Okay. In the process of that, I forgot what I was going to do. I was going to talk to you about syncretism. Syncretism is a fancy word. Syncretism means kind of a merging of different religions. So it's a, a merger of different religions where you merge religious ideas. Like a Venn diagram that I've given you here. So, for example, you can take voodoo with its hexes and curses, and you can combine it with Roman Catholicism in some of the Bahamian Jamaican islands, and you can come up with a weirdo religion where you sacrifice chickens to Jesus and read their entrails to figure out what Jesus wants you to do. That's syncretism. That's combining two different religions. It's not a good thing to do generally. It's not always bad. Sometimes it's just a neutral. Uh, let me give you a neutral syncretism. Today's Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Then what do we have? Oh, a bunch of Norse syncretists. Y'all sound like a bunch of Vikings. Thursday? Thursday is syncretism. We've taken Norse mythology, the Vikings, Thor, the thunder god. That's his day. We just call it Thor's day. We spell it a little bit different, but it's syncretism. It's a, not a bad thing. I'm not... not I'm not going to change the way I refuse to call it Thursday anymore. I don't believe in Thor. I'm going to call it Hank Day. In honor of Hank. Yeah, she, Carolyn said, don't call it my husband's name. Call it Carolyn's Day. She was born on a Thursday. Okay, that's Okay. Sometimes syncretism is actually useful. Christmas? Jesus was not born on December 25th. That's something we got from paganism. But it's a marvelous time to celebrate the birth of Jesus because the world will turn their attention to him. And we're not celebrating it as a pagan holiday, hopefully. That's syncretism. But some syncretism is really, really bad. The historical Jesus was real. The historical Jesus died. He was physical. He was made of molecules when he was human. In his humanity. Fully human. Even though fully divine. His fully human body. The heart quit beating. The brain waves ceased. He was buried in a physical tomb. He was resurrected to a new life with a resurrection body. And that's real history. And the early church understood that and they embraced it. Their theology wasn't fully developed. But they knew Jesus as the risen Son of God. But what happened is as Faith began to go into diverse communities around the world. Syncretism creeps in. And people start trying to take their own religious system and meld it like a Venn diagram into Christianity. And these ideas of who Jesus was began to take on a new life with new weirdo ideas. And so you have people like Marcion who comes around and says, oh, there's, yes, we all know from syncretism, we all know from our other roots that the gods begat other gods in the sense of give birth to them. And so there are all of these different gods. The God of the Old Testament is very different than Jesus and the God of the New Testament. They aren't one. The God of the Old Testament was uh, kind of a spoiled brat, temperamental, 
not very smart. You know, ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Because he didn't know, even though the real God of Jesus knew even the hearts of men. Hey, that's what Marcion wrote. He was, had a big pull in the church, too. So the church is trying to sort through and explain and understand and put into very clear terms who Jesus is. And if we go back to the PowerPoint, as they tried to fight through the syncretism, one of the places where they did it is they called together and prayed with the Holy Spirit's presence, a council at Nicaea. It's Iznik, Turkey today. Uh, They would have pronounced it Nikea back uh, uh, in that day, or just Nike. Um, It's a a town that was named after the goddess of of victory, uh, Athena, Nike. Uh, the Nike swoosh comes from that, by the way. Just freebies you get when you show up. Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, they get together and they try to address the problem of syncretism, of trying to figure out who Jesus is. And do you know which gospel they went to for the principal core language to explain this so that nobody misses it? The gospel of John. And so we read the creed that was produced there, the Nicene Creed, and it says, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the fathers. By the way, don't think begotten, monogenes in the Greek. Don't think that that means born in the sense of a genito. It does not does not. Begotten of the Father, it means exclusive, one and only. The one and only of the Father before all the worlds. Jesus is God of gods, light of light, very God, a very God, begotten, not a genitoed. Begotten, not made. Being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. This is John 1. Don't ever let anyone tell you the Gospels never claim that Jesus was God. If anyone ever says that to you, I want you to look them sternly in the eye and ask them how much Greek they had. Because I think after the first semester of Greek, you would get this. John is making it very clear. Jesus is something unlike the world has ever seen before. Unlike anything in the natural order. Everything that exists is something that's been made. Something that's come into existence. Something that's been born. Something that's been created. But not Jesus. He's the uncreated. He's the Alpha. He's the first. He is before all things. He is God. So when we read there was a man sent from God whose name was John, this man is not like Jesus. John the Baptist is a human. You got it? Okay, that's part of the lesson, but there's the second part of the lesson. Don't worry, it's not as long as that part. Second part of the lesson. Look, we've made it through four words in John. I think we should go for five. There was a man sent from God. Sent is another Greek verb that's a very important verb for us to understand the fullness. By the way, Do you remember that when people are translating the Bible, there's not a one, this is not like math. This is not where you've got the substitutionary principle of X equals two. And so every time you see X, you can plug in two. You don't translate that way. These Greek words have a range of meaning. And we lose the fullness of it when you got to just stick it into one English word. But we're looking for the full flavor of this. And the full flavor of that word sent, it's the verb apostello in the Greek. 
I'll put it into um, uh, English letters. Apostello. The last O is the omega. It's a long O, so you draw a line over it. Apostello. Now, there is buried in that word something that should help you remember and understand what it means. Post. See post? Oh, Dale Hearns played with my PowerPoint. No, Dale, not that kind of post. It's not post-racing, brand. It's post in a different sense of the word. It's post in the sense of postal. Apostolo means to send for a purpose. To achieve an objective. It's not junk mail. It's mail that's sent for a reason. It's sent for a, 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 to, to do something. It's sent for a purpose or, or a, to achieve an objection. Uh, an, an objection, not objection. Uh, an objective. Excuse me. All your enemies come out. Objection. It's not objection. You're right. It's objective. Sustained. Okay. Um, <laughs> sent for a purpose, an objective. You with me? Let me show you some examples of how John uses that word and see if it's not simply sent, but it's sent with a purpose in mind. Here's John 1.19. Certain Jews sent priests and Levites to find out who John the Baptist was. They apostelloed him. They said, hey, we're going to apostello you to find out who the John the Baptist is. Does he, is he claiming to be the Messiah? Is he claiming to be a prophet? Who's he claiming to be? We're sending you to find out. Now go find it out. Report back to us. Apostello. Here's another passage. John three seventeen. God apostelloed his son into the world to save the world. Jesus didn't simply get sent as a tourist. Wasn't, hey, go see what it's like. He was sent with a specific objective. He didn't just stumble into the incarnation. He was sent with a purpose. He was sent with an objective. God sent his son into the world to save the world. Here's another example from John. John 7, 32, the chief priests and the Pharisees send officers to arrest Jesus. Sent with a purpose. Sent for a reason. Sent with a directive. An objective to, to, to achieve. You see? Now we can go into the Old Testament because what we're dealing with here, remember, is trying to read the Old Testament in the Gospel of John. We got a dear friend, Weston Fields, who sent me an email this morning. He reads the, these lessons and, and Weston sent me and he said, you know, one of the things, <laughs> he said, one of the things I really enjoy doing when I'm sitting in church oftentimes as someone's teaching or reading the Bible, especially if it's the Gospels, is he says, while they're reading it in English or Greek, I like to translate it into Hebrew in my head as we're going along. He said, of the Gospels, the easiest to do that with is John. John is very Hebraic in its structure. It's very Hebraic in its thought processes. And so it's really easy for us to find the Old Testament in the Gospel of John. Now, if we wanted to look for God againatoing, sending for a reason, a purpose, a directive, in the Old Testament, we could find uh, several examples. But I want to look especially in these early books of Moses, which the, the, the Torah, which is how John starts his gospel in the beginning, quoting the Torah. If we were to do that, one of the biggest againato passages where it's just over and over and over and over used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And remember, that's the version most people used at the time John wrote his gospel. Most Jewish people in the, in the dispersed Jewishness around the Mediterranean used the Greek version, the Septuagint, of the Old Testament. So, this is language they'd be familiar with, this Greek language. And they would see it over and over and over again in the story of Moses and the burning bush. 
Let me give you the example. Here's the passage out of Exodus 3, 10 and 13 through 15. God says, come. This is God speaking from the burning bush to Moses. I will apostello you to Pharaoh. I will send you with a purpose. I will send you with an objective. I will send you for a reason. I'm going to apostello you to Moses or to Pharaoh. And I'm going to do it so that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's your purpose. That's what you're here to do. Then Moses says to God, Well, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has apostelloed me to you. He sent me here for a reason. He sent me for a purpose. He sent me to achieve an objective. Then they're going to say, Well, what's his name? What am I supposed to say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So you say this to the people of Israel. You say, I am has apostelloed you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has apostelloed me to you. See, he's apostelloed. God sent him with a reason. He sent him with a purpose. There's an objective. And it's over and over and over again. This is the history of God's tapestry. This is how it unfolds. God directs that thread to weave in at this point in time for God's historical purposes. But the bizarre part is we actually do get to pick which thread color we want to be. Even as God's tapestry still gets made. And so God says, I'm sending you for a purpose. I'm sending you for a purpose. You tell him I sent you for a purpose. You go do my purpose. I have sent you for a reason. I've apostelloed you. I've apostelloed you. I've apostelloed you. And you know what Moses says? Please apostello someone else. I don't want to. Sniveling little baby Moses. I'd cut him some mercy, except he's 70 years old. So he shouldn't be crying like a little baby. Although, when you're 70, there may be part of you that's saying like, man, I've lived 70 years, and this is like retirement age. I'm supposed to be collecting Social Security. Can't you find someone young and vibrant who's looking to make a name for themselves? I'm sort of happy sitting around with the goats. But God said, I want you to be that thread. Here's where you fit into my tapestry. Here's where I'm going to weave you into my tapestry. And you have a choice. And Moses, when you whine and snivel, well, let me put it into the Hebrew. The very next verse after Moses says, Oh, I'll bestow someone else. I don't want to. I got to finish binge watching The Bachelor. I've never in my life watched that show. But the rumor is some people do. This kindled God's anger. God said, I'm not sure you're getting this, Moses. This wasn't a request, this was an instruction. This is what I've made you to do. This is your responsibility. I've told you to do this. Now get your little sandals on and get yourself down from this burning bush and get in gear and go do what I told you to do. Moses had a choice. But it was a serious choice. So you know what Moses does? He puts on his little sandals and he go finds his brother and he tells Aaron all the words which God apostelloed him to do. And he starts going. Apostello, sent for a purpose to achieve an objective. Now there was a man, he came to be a genito, anthropos, 
who was apostelloed from God, who was sent for a directive and a purpose. The question becomes, what was the purpose? Why was John sent from God? He wasn't just sent. The Greek reads, this is why he was made. This was his creative moment. When John finished what John had to do, John died. He went back to Abraham. He went to the bosom of his father. Becky and I yesterday were at a, the funeral for David Cape's son who died in his 30s from cancer. Terrible, terrible, tragic death. And, and it's, it's not one that has easy answers and I don't pretend that it does. But I can say a few things about it. I can say that anybody who is still alive today has a purpose for God and a reason for being here. I can say when I'm on my deathbed, I want to be able to echo the words of Paul. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. But while I'm here and while I'm alive, I've got a purpose. And so do you. See, God doesn't just apostello John the Baptist and Moses. We're all apostelloed. Now, if we want to understand why John was apostelloed, we have to come back next week. Because next week, I'm going to continue this passage, and he's apostelloed for something really important. But I'm going to give you a glimpse in our first takeaway for home. Our first takeaway from home is that Jesus is an indescribably big deal. Now, I'd like to describe for you what a big deal he is, but I can't. Do you know why? He's indescribably a big deal. I cannot describe it. I will tell you, it's an incredible thing. Would you like to know how credible? No, I can't. It's incredible. It's beyond our ability to think. And come on, it is so easy to live with narrow blinders. This is 2019. I... I uh, I spent time this week with some scientists. I'll spend time next week with some scientists, a lot of experts, a lot of medical expertise. Spent some time with a physicist who is a devoted believer in the Lord. It's incredible to hear the way his mind works. But I've also spent time with scientists who become materialists. All they understand and all they see is the material in front of them. And they don't understand that historically, God really did become flesh. He became material. That Jesus really did exist. It's not fiction. We're not reading the Lord of the Rings. We're not reading the Chronicles of Narnia. We're reading the truth of Scripture. But we're reading the truth of history. And there are a lot of people who don't believe Jesus was the Son of God who will still understand He existed. And so some explaining needs to be done, Lucy. Because there's some serious... <laughs> a few of you are old enough to actually get that reference. You got some explaining to do, Lucy. Because this world has been shaped by this truth. Jesus was not just a fella. He wasn't just a good guy. He wasn't just a, some carpenter gone bad. 
He's the son of God. It's the ultimate love story of the son of God, of God himself becoming human to shine his light into our darkness so that we can see. And the biggest problem many people have is they turn their back on the light and they live in the shadows. Jesus is an indescribably big deal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Point for home number two. We have a purpose. God didn't just, look, I I love my mom, I love my dad, but I'm not just a casual result of, of their union. I have a purpose. If I could Vulcan mind meld you like Spock, if I could rearrange the neural and glial cells that make up your brain so that the synapses, I got to put on my glasses, see if my MCAT student, I'm getting this right, neural and glial cells that make up the brain, right? with synapses that are conscious thought, if I could wire your brain to one thing right now, if I could jump inside somehow and just make the connections, this is what I would wire your brain to know. I would wire your brain to know that God made you for a reason. That he's called you for a purpose. That what you're about is not simply waking up in the morning and going through the drudgeries and trying to make enough money to make ends meet and eating meals and looking out for those you love. There's, there is a, an eternal purpose behind what you're doing. You've been charged and sent by God. You've been apostelloed. Let me quote Paul for you. Paul put it this way. We are His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. We're agenitoed in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're part of his tapestry. He's made us this right. Say, well, I can't be God's. I'm not tall enough. Well, Who decided how tall you were going to be? I can't be God's. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not smart enough. If I only had a million dollars, what I could do for God. (laughs) You are exactly who you need to be today. Well, I haven't known God very long. I'm just getting to know him. Great. Here's your get to know him for today. Right now, where you are, who you are, what you've got, he has purpose for you in your life. And here's the key. Last take home point. You have a choice. There was a prophet named Isaiah and a, a, a significant king, Uzziah, had died. <laughs> Ironically, Uzziah had died and had been afflicted because he'd gone into the Holy of Holies and seen the Lord when he shouldn't have. He wasn't allowed to. Uh, gone into the Holy of Holies and, and seen the presence of God in a sense. And Isaiah, a prophet, then finds himself in the throne of God. And of course, he's scared to death. Woe is me. Because he knows he doesn't belong there either. And this is the year King Uzziah died. It's fresh on his mind. But God cleanses him. And so this this prophet who has beheld God and in the splendor of his temple, the glory of God, where, where his glory, the train of his glory fills the temple with the angels crying out, holy, 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 an incredible scene of worship with an altar 
Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord. And the Lord says, whom shall I apostello? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, apostello me. God wants to weave you into history. His history will be done. But we have a choice whether or not we want to walk in the calling he's put in our lives. So how do I find it? Through prayer and study. Through good counsel of others. But it makes a difference who we are. It makes a difference how we treat other people. It makes a difference what we feed our brains. It makes a difference what we feed our souls. It makes a difference what we feed our gut. It makes a difference in everything that we do. When we understand we've been called for God's purposes and sent to do His work. I'm through preaching. We're through with class. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. And I'm eager to share with you next week. So I hope you'll come back. Father, thank you for the chance to, to spend 45 minutes focusing on, on you. The uncreated God. We, the creatures, fall down in worship. And we thank you for calling us by name and giving us purpose. And we pray that we will walk and find your will for us, your purpose in our lives. Today, and every day until we join you for eternity. We pray through the word, through Jesus, our God, our Lord, our hope, our confidence. Amen.